0: Who hides easter eggs that you never want to find? The dust bunny. (laughs) What do you call a dirty PowerPoint presentation? Mudslides. (laughs) Why did the art collector buy an old septic tank? It's filled with mass turd pieces.
1: If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine, on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was, was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown.
2: Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose.
1: From the world-famous Curtis Electric Network Studios, produced by Adam Goldstein. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who gives me street cred with the wacko alternative assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who had never listened to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347 766 4323. That's 347 Poohhead. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at Dr. Scott WM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical stuff, and news you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Going to act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician, assistant, pharmacist, respiratory therapist, etc. Cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, don't forget to check out stuff.drsteve.com. Stuff.drsteve.com uh, for all your Amazon needs. It really does help uh, keep us on the air. Uh, whenever you shop that way so you go to stuff dot dr you can scroll down see stuff we talk about on this show including that crazy weird sex toy thing that Ooh. blows air <laughs> it's bizarre it's down at down at the bottom in the adults only section and then uh or you can just click straight through and go to amazon so it's pretty cool Thank you for checking it out. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. And uh, please don't forget our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. We're doing some fun things over there. Uh, we haven't done an exam room in a while, but I'm um, getting ready to get some lined up. The exam rooms where we have a celebrity come in and ask us questions. So it's like an inverse uh, interview. And cool. if it sounds like my dentures are not tight <laughs> enough... It's because my uh, I'm on the last uh, uh, the last dregs of my Invisaligns, and it is weird getting used to having my teeth all lined up properly. So does that mean you're going to sing more? No. No. But it means I can, I can do cameos. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah. Check out our cameo, cameo.com slash weird medicine. I think. Just search for Dr. Steve Weird Medicine. I'll say fluid to your mama. It's Father's Day coming up. I'll say secretions to your daddy. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you want Myrtle or uh, Cletus to say hello to him, we'll do that. I'll even put the—I I have a— I have a Myrtle wig, and I'll even put it on. I don't care. It's like 7 bucks. It's the cheapest cameo ever, and I just do it for fun, but it's fun. But what sucked was when I first started doing it, it said, you know, I would do it, and I'd look at myself. And look, it looks like I'm missing a tooth, but oh, it was no. because that one was so far behind the others, oh, yeah. and I couldn't get it, just hold the camera just right. So it didn't look like I was some toothless bumpkin from Tennessee. <laughs> Uh, you know, doctor or no, so I did um, uh, get some f- effing Invisalines, and the other thing is there is a chance when I retire of doing a little bit of TV work and I didn't want to uh, have to deal with it later, so I'm just dealing with it now, but it's way better. I, I mean, I could tell with the second Invisalign when I flossed that uh, there was more space, and now they're like, if, if we stopped right now, I'd be totally satisfied. So anyway... That's funny. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Fucking Invisalign. And uh, I will tell you this, the way it works, the ones that you buy from, you know, where you send them off and they send them back to you and it costs half of what the Invisalign is. I don't see how those could possibly work. There is a trick involved with the Invisalign that there's no way that they could do on one of those. And It has to do with putting po- little post things on your teeth to hold them in to make sure that the movement is correct. And I don't know how the ones were. It's just, um, just liners that you put in your mouth could move your teeth around. I just don't see how it works. But anyway, all right, cool. Don't forget to check out Doctor Scott's website. It's simplyherbs.net. Simplyherbs.net. And I see we have uh, in the studio audience. Well, in the waiting room. <laughs> was the that was the wrong drop that's more appropriate oh, uh, we have uh, Adam Goldstein quite Yay. the uh, celebrity of Adam Goldstein TV where I got this drop from
2: why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to
1: that was um <laughs> Adam was gracious enough to to uh, let us use that drop from his, not that he owns it. I don't want to get him a DMCA strike. But anyway, and who else we got in there? Well, we got uh, Jimmy Russler and uh, got Sean Pedrick, who uh, won the tickets for, or the ticket for the celebrity roast that I'll be participating in in September in Rochester, New York, at the comedy in the car common oh, boy i better do better than that september <laughs> 7th 17th uh, comedy at the carlson and is the roast of uh, carl hamburger and vinnie paulino it'll be fun even if you don't know who they are it'll be a fun night mm-hmm. and if you're a weird medicine listener and you happen to be there you come say how do you do i'll buy you a beer sounds so, good assuming that you're not sober and if you are, then hearty handshake. <laughs> <coughs> All right.
3: Now, how many people other than Sean actually entered the contest? Uh, was there one entrance and he... he yeah, <laughs> Sean entered the contest and he won. <laughs> what do you go, Sean? There I you, like you it. go. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> All oh, right. That'll be cool.
1: So we've got some uh, news to discuss. And one of them, Dr. Scott, uh, if you have the article... On um, uh, the cancer cure that's gotten all the the hype in the sure. news, that would be a good one to start with because there was quite a bit of hoopla about this uh, this story if I may be, you know, use salty language. Yes. So do you have
3: that art- that article? I do, yeah, so it's, it's pretty incredible. The, of course, the title is every single patient in the small experimental drug trial saw their cancer
1: disappear. So the headline is every single patient saw their cancer disappear.
3: Insane. Right. Okay. Never heard of that ever. All right. Right, right, right. Yeah. So
1: so what what does the article say?
3: Well, it's talking about they it's the it's it's specifically <coughs> for rectal cancer. Correct. <clears throat> and I guess last year 340,000 people died. Of yeah. Rectal cancer, of course, and, and it's terrible. It's a terrible disease. It's a, it's and um, and before this trial, the the um, treatments were radiation therapy, surgery, yeah, chemotherapy. If you catch it early, if it's curable. It early. But yeah, but it, but but if you catch it early enough, it's curable. But there's a lot of, of course, trauma associated with the treatments.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's uh, you know if it's in the middle of your colon, you just take it out and sew it back together again. That's harder to do. When it's your rectum, which, by the way, you never think about your rectum until something happens to it. And then that's all you can think about. Mm-hmm. So what else? We, and they were, they were just saying that out of, I guess, 14 patients, all 14 patients,
3: after two years showed complete resolution without any side effects yeah. from the
1: chemotherapy or from, from the medic, from, from this treatment. So this sounds awesome for rectal cancer patients, but the problem is it's kind of horseshit, Okay, so and uh, it's kind of this is still a, a really important um, study, but it ain't what it was made out to be in the news media. so right. I went to the original study. This is what you have to do and if you if you want to read along with me, go to drsteve.com. and uh, it's it's it, if you're doing this the week of June, what is this June 15th yep then it'll be the top story. And if it's not at the top, just uh, go to the search function on our website at drsteve.com and put in rectal cancer. It should come up. Here's the study. Is PD-1 blockade in mismatch repair deficient locally advanced rectal cancer? That is the title. It's by uh, Andrea uh, Cherchek and a whole bunch of other people. And that is a pretty nondescript title for an article that got play in every newspaper in the in the world, basically. Mm-hmm. So what I thought would be fun, and I did this on the Patreon show, so the Patreon listeners are, are ahead of everybody on this one because I did that last week. Um, and you can go to patreon.com slash weird medicine, by the way. But um, I, I thought it would be good to do it here because it's kind of an important study. So... Here, I'm, I'm just going to go through the abstract. We could go through the data in the article if people are really interested in that, but that should probably be a sidebar. But it says neoadjuvant chemotherapy and radiation, uh, followed by surgical resection of the rectum, is standard treatment for locally advanced rectal cancer. So let me just translate that, because there's a lot of stuff to unpack in just that, that sentence. So neoadjuvant chemotherapy and radiation, this is where... You give someone chemo and radiation in the hope that you can shrink the size of the tumor so that when you take out viable tissue, you're taking out as little as possible. Mm -hmm. That's what that means. Uh, And when they say locally advanced rectal cancer, that means cancer that's greater than stage one, which is just tiny uh, you know, you have four stages: stage one, stage two, stage three, and stage four. Well, that would that would follow, sense, right? right? What a genius statement that was. <laughs> anyway, but uh, stage one, two, and three are local, and stage three particularly is locally advanced, meaning that it's gotten pretty big, but it hasn't spread to a distant organ, right, or a distant site. So, stage four cancer would be cancer where the tumor cells have moved to a distant site like the liver or, or the brain or bone or somewhere like that, and set up residence there and started to grow. Yep. That's stage four can, you know, cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would also call that metastatic cancer. So these are in people. That's the first thing. This is for people who, who do not have um, metastatic cancer right. in this situation. And then it says a subset of rectal cancer is caused by a deficiency in this thing called mismatch repair. And this is where you start going, "Uh uh-oh, okay. So this is a subset of rectal cancer. They're not talking about all rectal cancer patients. This study was specific to people that had um, tumor cells that had this genetic defect in them. So you would ask, well, what's the percentage of rectal cancers that have this particular defect? Do you know the answer to that? No. It's 5%. (laughs) Or 10%. But that's it. Yeah. It's between 5 and 10%. So that means 90% of people won't be helped with this. Okay. On the other hand, the ones that do have this defect, they're resistant to standard therapy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you... In the past, if you had this mismatch repair deficient um, type tumor uh, it was hard to treat with neoadjuvant chemotherapy and radiation okay. so they didn't respond well to it well now if you're in the 5 to 10% that have that now we have this thing this, this is what they're looking at now uh, they um, thought that cancer people in cancer who spread to distant site. Um, when they would block this PD-1 with other drugs, that there was some inf- some effectiveness. So in other words, in people with metastatic cancer that had this mismatch repair deficient type tumor, they thought, well, maybe these drugs will work for people with locally advanced. Okay. They weren't doing that before. So this is this a breakthrough then? They already knew that this would work okay. in people with metastatic cancer. Now they're looking at if we catch them before they're metastatic, can we try it? Okay, And uh, so, you know, it's like, yeah, try everything. If it worked in stage four disease, it probably work here, too. And they did um, uh, something different in this study and they used a different agent. And that's what makes it interesting. So that part is interesting. Once you once you ratchet down your expectations a little bit and see this is in a fraction of people with disease that's hard to treat. And we already kind of knew that this mechanism worked when they were stage four, mm-hmm. and so now our expectations are down. Does it work in locally advanced disease, and do we have a drug that that's um, that's effective? So what they did was they did a prospective study. We know what that means. People who listen to the show know what prospective means, as opposed to retrospective. In other words, they start, they do something and they follow people forward in time, and this is a phase two study. So we remember from the COVID talk, there are four phases to studies. Phase one, small, and where you're looking to make sure you don't kill people. Then phase two would be one where you're looking for effectiveness. Phase three is where you're looking for less rare uh I'm sorry, less common adverse effects and effectiveness in a larger population. And then phase four is post-marketing where you have hopefully millions of people that have been on this stuff. So you can pick out the one in a million uh, uh, adverse effects. So, And they used this stuff called dostarlamab, which is a monoclonal antibody. And it's it's an antibody that is directed at this uh, PD-1 receptor site. You know, programmed death one receptor site, and they gave it every three weeks for six months with this mismatch repair deficient stage two or three rectal adenocarcinoma, and adenocarcinoma just means cancer that is derived from glands. Okay. Uh, so uh, what the way they set this thing up was they were going to do this dostarlimab stuff, and then they were going to follow it with chemotherapy, radiation, and resection if they had anybody that still had residual tumor. So you got the chemotherapy people sitting there tapping their feet, the surgeons are ready to go, and the radiation oncologists are ready to go. And when they completed the study on these people, they had uh, no people that went to surgery radiation because they all resolved their tumor. Wow. So it was gone in 100 percent of them. So the primary endpoint was sustained clinical complete response 12 months after completion. And uh, so they had 12 patients, 114, Dr. Scott it was oh. 12. That's the problem. This is a very small study. Yeah. If let's just say this and I'm not saying that this is true, I'm just saying, let's hypothesize for a second that dostarlamab, kills one people in a hundred that take it but it'll cure you know a hundred percent of people otherwise um, we wouldn't know we wouldn't be able to see that in twelve people that's killing one in a hundred you'd have to do a thousand people and then right. maybe ten would die right right if you do twelve you're not going to see the one in a hundred if it's one in a thousand you'd have to do you know 10000 100000 right. to see. Right. And if it's one in a million, then you, that's going to be post-marketing. So, uh, so that's the first thing is what they saw was effectiveness. Also, okay. what are the odds? Let's say it was 80% that this stuff only works in 80, only in 80%. I mean, we do things in, in oncology that'll have a 5 to 10% benefit. But if it was 80%, uh, what are the odds that if you had any 12 people that 100% of them would be cured? It's not zero. No. Okay. So this is very interesting. Uh, none of them went to chemotherapy. None of them went to radiation. None went to surgery. And in no case in, in no cases there was progression or recurrence during follow-up, and that was follow-up over 6 to 20, 25 months. And they didn't have any adverse events Uh, worse than grade three so there's four grades of adverse events and uh, stage four or grade four events require hospitalization and termination of the study stage three is below that but think things like asthma bronchospasm stuff like that so uh you know it's a great study And for those people that had refractory rectal cancer before, wouldn't it be nice to not have to go through surgery and all those things? So this is a big step forward. We've said all along that immunotherapy is going to be the thing that's going to uh, eventually be the key to curing cancer because the problem with cancer is immunologic. It's failure of the immune system to recognize these abnormal tissues in the body as being alien because they're not they're inside your own body that's why it's so tough but um so it's a big deal but it isn't as big a deal as unfortunately the the medical journalism made it out to be because they were like well in a couple of months we're gonna have a complete cure for rectal cancer and it's yeah we we may but it'll be for five to ten percent of people yeah okay that have rectal cancer. But listen, it's an outstanding result. Oh, yeah. And now let's see what happens when they do it to 1,200 people. Mm-hmm. And if they still get an outstanding result, what what this may do for us is say, okay, this works in mismatch deficient um, patients. What is it about them that makes this work so well? And can we then translate this into other cancers that are similar when you get a result like this it tells you this is the key we just now have to make it happen in other people too so once you learn that you can narrow it down mm-hmm. so it's a it is a huge step in that regard mm-hmm. it's not a you know like i said well i don't want to keep repeating myself but anyway okay yeah that's incredible isn't yeah it? yeah it's uh very interesting this is how science works and we will uh see some stuff over the next uh, few years that will be outstanding based on this Type of research so
3: okay I think it's pretty incredible all right especially for that five to ten percent
1: oh yeah absolutely. That, geez. still phase two so it's not on the market yeah. but how, I used to how? say this stuff wouldn't help me it might help my kids and my grandkids yeah. but no it you know this might actually help me right on. if so I can hang on a couple more years before I get my rectal cancer <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You know, let's hope not.
3: <coughs> Pardon me, I was well, just thinking the. Um, you okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I think I got the same thing. You got a little the um, between the hundred thousand degrees outside and allergies. It's yeah, 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 a little challenging. It is a little warm today. Yeah. A little warm out here. It is. It seems to be that way across the United States for the most. Part. What were you going to say? Well, hell, now I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was no. I, I guess my what I was going to say is, can they take this drug? Mm-hmm. And put it into the the data bank. You know, like we talked about a couple of shows ago, where if you have a certain cancer, they can they can biopsy the yeah. tumor and maybe put it in there and just see if it. Well, sure. Links they up, can, yeah. Sure, you can it, always go, do moving that. Moving forward, yeah.
1: But this this antibody is specific for this anti-PD one. I mean, okay. it's anti-PD one. This programmed death one receptor mm-hmm. or protein, and so antibodies are pretty damn specific. Now, if there are other tumors that have this, mm-hmm. then they might be able to use it That's for
3: what I was going to Say, yeah, and don't. And it, isn't it true though if they show such such profound results they can fast track it through to where they can get it on the market more quickly right and we might have got cr- to be careful true? with that yeah, because I mean, we only saying- have
1: 12 people so they've right. got to do a phase 3 trial right i've never seen a phase 2 trial that only had 12 people in it right Um, So, But the monoclonals are are different. I've not participated in a monoclonal trial. So I I wonder how small their phase one trial was if the phase two trial was only 12 people. Mm. But uh, we want to, let's do a a few thousand people. There's tons of people out there with, uh, a matter of fact, see how many, what's the incidence? That's what we want, the incidence of rectal cancer in the United States. Well, maybe we could ask Echo. Let's see if she knows. Echo, what's the incidence of rectal cancer in the United States?
0: Here's something I found on the web. Uh Uh-oh. According to stateuniversity.com, there are about 36,500 cases of rectal cancer diagnosed per year.
1: Okay, so 40,000 cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that'd be 4,000 approximately of these uh, mismatched, deficient cases. And of those, you might get, uh, I don't know, a fourth of them. So we, over the next year, we might be able to get 1,000 cases, if we can get that many into the study. Right. Okay. So, and maybe if they do 1,000 and they're still showing 100%, they'll fast track the hell out of that, right particularly on. if they're not showing any adverse effects beyond stage three. It's incredible. Okay? Yeah, it's incredible. All right. One thing you might want to look at is um, look at what tumors um, have uh, PD1 or PD1 sensitive tumors, something like that. While we're doing the next thing. Okay. All right. Um, let's do let's do this one. This is pretty interesting. You Kay. ready? Yep. Okay. While you're looking that up. This is one about transcranial magnetic stimulation. Hey, Dr.
2: Steve. It's Calvin from California. Hey, Calvin. So I saw an advertisement on a mobile game for something called the TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation to treat depression, and I think this sounds like a bunch of phrenology bullshit. (laughs) I was wondering what you guys were thinking about. So
1: um, anyways, thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. Okay, man. Yeah, uh, some of this stuff can sound like like horse manure, but... I'm looking at a study here uh, in a reasonably, this is from Cambridge University Press, really from 2001, so it's not a new thing, and they, uh, it's called Repetitive transcranial, oh boy, transcranial Magnetic Stimulation for Depression and Other Psychiatric Disorders, mm-hmm. and they looked at seven controlled trials, five of them were suitable for what we call meta-analysis. That's where you take the data, mush it all together, and then re-look for statistical significance. And uh, they showed a uh, beneficial effect compared to placebo with a number needed to treat of 2.3 with a 95% confidence interval. So what that means is you would get uh, by, uh, it's significant enough that if you treat two people, you're expected to get a positive benefit. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. No. Because you've got to treat 30 people with a statin to, present, to prevent one heart attack. <laughs> right? At least 30. Yeah. We've talked about number to, needed to treat before. If someone has a question about that, call in and I'll go through it again. But So, yeah, it doesn't sound uh, uh, ridiculous. They did do a controlled trial in people with schizophrenia, which would have been cool if it had worked, but it didn't. Mm-hmm.
3: Can I talk about that a little bit too? Of course. With, yeah, with that no with the transcranial. <laughs> you're in my that's in my world now. <laughs> yeah. you're, that's, you're talking where all, all the freaks hang out a little bit. No, but you know, a um, hundred and. Some odd years ago, they started doing a lot of research on on electric frequencies into the body on cells, and it's this thing called Rife frequencies, um, something that I use occasionally. We have a little machine that does some of this. Oh no! S- oh, here we go. here we go. we No, no. Hey, well, let me finish there. Me oh no, it's you. okay. I'm yeah, looking it up, yeah, It's right. It. Yeah, the yeah, Royal Royal Rife. He was a physicist in R-I-F-E. Germany. R-I-F-E. Yeah, yeah, Rife. And yeah, he was a he was a physicist in Germany in the early um, 1900s, and um. So anyway, but you know the machine, Doctor Steve. They're doing some of this transcranial electrical stimulation at NIH for glioblastomas. Okay. And also, if you think about this, how much different is it from an ECT? When, that they do? That very they, different. Well, but sh- you're, you're, you're shooting electrodes in electricity <laughs> well, okay. in the
1: head. Yeah, but, okay, do you understand that ECT, it's not the electricity? Mm-hmm. It's the seizure that it induces. They used but to do ECT with insulin, mm-hmm. and they would give people a shot of insulin, drive their blood sugar so low that they would have a seizure, okay. and that would work. Yep. So it's the seizure, not the electricity. But the electricity causes a seizure. Well, that's right. That's okay, right. Well, it's just a different way to cause a right. seizure because doing so it with insulin wrong. sucks. Yeah, no, insulin, yeah, doing it with insulin is terrible. Yeah, right, but it's not, yeah. it's no, not I understand the electricity that's, that's giving the beneficial yeah. effect. Well,
3: at it's, least... For the most
1: part, <laughs> it's the seizure. It's people who were. What they found is that people who were post-ictal and other words, people that had uh, a seizure, mm-hmm. that um, their depression seemed to get better. So they induced seizures back in the day with insulin, mm-hmm. and there were other ways that you could do it. That's but true. then they found that if they and gave someone. Propofol or something to anesthetize them, and then touch them with electricity. It could induce a seizure, right. and then that tended to make uh, refractory depression better. But we have other stuff now, like ketamine, yeah, uh, that yeah, we can yeah. talk about. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm looking. I'm looking at cancer research UK on Rife machines and cancer. But go ahead. Well, that was just that was my main thing.
3: I I don't know exactly what he was talking about or or that study, but I have seen for years they've used. You know, certain kinds of electrical stimulation to treat all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah well, sure. we do. We do it for muscles. Oh, what just happened? I don't know. Yeah, I can't. Hear fix picture thing. on my! Uh, my it's uh, jiggling set. around. My head went dead. Uh, yep. Uh, but the um, uh, treating, treating, you know, muscles and nerves and, yes. and things of that nature with with electrical stimulation. So it, you would think, at some point, there may be a, a way to to um, treat depression for sure.
1: Okay. Um, I'm looking at Rife machines as a cancer treatment, and this is considered severely alternative. Oh, and yeah, It totally. says uh has not been through the usual process of scientific testing. There's studies that looked at low-energy waves as a treatment for cancer, and uh, they did a study on a small number of people with advanced cancer, and they had a type of liver cancer called hepatocellular carcinoma. And the researchers found that low-frequency waves affected cancer cells and didn't affect normal cells, but they didn't show that it actually did anything to improve the outlook for of the patient. Mm. So uh, the Rife machines are ex- expensive. They basically are low-energy uh, electrical um, impulses that are sent through the hands or feet, and basic, and they um, uh, are most uh, most likely radio waves, and it's just a different thing altogether. So yeah. there's, since they found out that cells respond to electricity back in the day, and I can't remember who it was, whether it was Volt or um, Hertz or one of those guys <laughs> that stuck um, electrical wires into uh, the muscle of a frog and watched it jerk, then we've had all kinds of, you know, quote-unquote electrical therapies come out uh from lots of different things some of them persist to this day and many of them are quackery i'm not saying that the Rife machine is i don't know enough about it all i know is that there haven't been enough data generated to show that it does anything yeah and that is really uh, quantitative and qualitatively different than doing uh, electroconvulsant therapy which in that case the convulsant the C in ECT is really the important thing. Okay. Now for refractory depression, we've got other stuff now. Yeah. I haven't. I know they still do ECT, and uh, but and it is a last resort. And these days, that we have uh, esketamine, and esketamine is um, related to ketamine very closely. Known on the street as special K, and it has an onset of about three days. Whereas, if you take a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor ssri like prozac or you know fluoxetine or sertraline or one of those it can take eight to twelve weeks to kick in so this stuff particularly i'm interested in it because a lot of my patients don't have eight to twelve weeks for their depression to get better and uh, but the problem with esketamine is it's ridiculously expensive about 400 bucks a dose And you have to have a special REMS license. That's a sort of risk evaluation management strategy thing. And you got to have a special pharmacy. And when you write it, the pharmacy's got to deliver it. Then you got to give it in the office and keep the patient in the office for two hours. Whereas, you really, if you go to a compounding pharmacy, you can get a ketamine suppository for about five bucks. So it is a bit of a um, jacked up. Situation with the uh, ketamine nasal spray. Yeah. But anyway, but that's pretty interesting. And I, I, I bet we'll see if we can get some adoption of the ketamine, we'll see a, another decrease in the number of electroconvulsant therapy. Yeah, basically. But, I, but it, that's sort of a sign. People
3: issue. tolerate the ketamine pretty well.
1: <clears throat> yeah do they okay yeah they do better than tolerate oh, wow. like it they kind of like right on you know it's a right on. it's a dissociative anesthetic so you sort of feel like you're in another world for a little bit and then when you com- come down uh your depression's better huh it's pretty interesting not to be confused in the street don't go buy special <laughs> k on the no. street if no. your depression's bad and uh, n- none of that do this under do this the right way if you need it but if you know someone that's got refractory depression that's been on all of the stuff mm-hmm. and they've been on you know uh, duloxetine aka cymbalta they've been on fluoxetine aka prozac and maybe they've thrown some abilify in there or some other you know so add-on combo, medications yeah. And they're still severely depressed. Ask their shrink about uh, esketamine. Yeah, because once you get to that point, there there are not a lot of choices. Nope. remaining. Up. and I think the 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 branded name is Spravado. Let me see okay. if that's right. Spravado. Yeah, S P R A V A T O.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. When you Angie that, download the free Angie mobile app today, or visit Angie.com. That's A N G I. dot com.
1: All right. And if you know anybody that's tried it, have them call in. Cause... Yeah, Sean, Sean. just said he, he
3: he does have a friend that did, did that and did exceptionally well. Really? Okay. Yeah, cool. Good to know. All right. Cool. Thanks, man. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Um, you got it. You have another story though, right? Well, yeah, we've got a couple extra. Do you want to talk a little bit about the um, the?
1: Um... Ramsey Hunt or do you want to talk a little bit about yeah so that's interesting Um, when when Justin Bieber's face went numb Mm -hmm. I initially thought well why are they making a big deal out of Bell's palsy but that's not really what he has Mm -hmm. that would be the first thing people would think about Bell's palsy being a a paralysis that's often temporary but can be permanent in some people of the uh, uh, nerve that that uh, innervates the muscles of the face and it comes through a tiny little hole in the skull. And if there's any swelling of that nerve, what happens it cuts off the blood supply to the nerve and it just goes, goes limp and you'll get one-sided uh, facial weakness, but that's not what happened to him. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah. Evidently he, he's got a whole lot
3: worse than a Bell's palsy. It's, <clears throat> it's um, Ramsey Hunt syndrome, which um, also known as herpes zoster um, Oticus, 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 Oticus. My God, <laughs> it's a late complication of of varicella. Uh, oh, here, here we go. Okay, well, you got that right. Well, I'll give, you I, you I, I, give yourself a <laughs> BL <bill. laughs> But you know, it's it, it does it, it it presents a little bit like um like Bell's palsy, but it's profoundly worse. Yeah. The, out, the outcomes are not as 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 um typically positive is is bell's palsy typically we interview or um, intervene with bell's palsy early we can we can get it corrected pretty well but you know something i was reading about that i didn't know about um ramsey hunt the one thing is when the nerves start to grow back sometimes they will grow back and the and the nerves will, will, will will connect to um nerves that they weren't connected to earlier and they'll actually get um different muscles moving in different ways. Like like if they close their mouth, it might close their eye. If it closes. What? Yeah, yeah. This three, I had not heard. Yeah, I, I had never heard that. Um, it's called um, synkinesis. Oh, yeah, synkinesis. s y n Oh, sin means together, yeah. and kinesis sin, means yeah. Yeah. movement. Yeah, so. Dr. C., and I'd never heard that at all, but what they're saying is that occasionally what does happen is when, you know, because what will happen is like with Bell's, and I can speak a little bit more to Bell's palsy than, than, yeah. uh, than the uh, Ramsey Hunt, but um, when those nerves start to wake up and they start to re-innervate, you know, like you see any kind of, any time with a peripheral nerve damage, which is, certainly different from his uh, central nerve, but um, when they start to, when they well, start this is a peripheral nerve, it's the facial Well, that's nerve. what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. It's, it's different from a CNS, but, but when those nerves start to regrow, people will tend to get tingling, they'll get pain, um, and it's not always the most comfortable thing, right. but what they're saying with this is that they, they can actually develop this, a degree of synkinesis, hmm. which is extremely rare, but has been shown. Well, if you make your patients, living singing, mm-hmm. that would suck. Oh, jeez, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, you're trying, trying to, to close your eye, and it's closing your mouth, yeah, or vice right, versa. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's good it's, lord. It isn't that incredible?
1: Well, yeah. so um, in this Ramsey Hunt syndrome, it's previously inactive varicella zoster virus. Gets reactivated and spreads to affect this facial nerve, and they'll they'll have a rash on the ear or the mouth. They Mm -hmm. may have ringing in their ear. They may lose hearing on that side, and then they'll get this uh, facial nerve paralysis. So that's a rough one. How do you treat it? Herpes stuff. Yeah, you know, same thing that you would treat uh, shingles with. Right. Uh, Valacyclovir, acyclovir, uh, fowl, whatever that other one is. Fam famacyclovir. yeah.
3: And what about steroids to
1: That's it. And
3: steroids too? I I would assume.
1: Yeah, oral with yes, probably with the, uh, oral steroids to decrease so. the the swelling. And then the you know they want to start the antivirals within a couple of days. Yes. And so treating this promptly is the key. And I'm assuming that he's got good. He I mean he, he's not one of these that calls me. So I'm assuming he has his own cadre of physicians that uh, work with him, so they caught it early. he should be okay, but it'll be interesting to see. So hopefully, hopefully we, I, we don't want anybody to have that. Now, if uh, they have horrible pain, then they may use um, a, uh, an anti-seizure medicine called carbamazepine and that can be really good for pain of that, you know, in, in that, the facial nerves. Uh, the trigeminal nerve, mm-hmm. which is also is a sensory nerve in the face. And if that gets infected, it can cause severe pain. Yep. People, if you've ever heard of Tic de la um that is um, also called trigeminal neuralgia. That can be so severe sometimes that people really want to do themselves in. Yeah. And uh, I've seen some people that had that that were just in 10 out of 10 pain. I mean, writhing, screaming yeah. in pain. And I watched the... The ear, nose, and throat guy take a big, giant needle and stick it up under their lip, up to where their cheekbone is, and infuse it with, with uh, um, anesthetic. Mm, and they okay. just all of a sudden they, they just stop, and they're just sitting there talking to you till it comes back. Yeah, until it wears off. So some of those folks, uh, that that's a tough one, but um, a few percentage, and it's it's a decent percentage. I've had maybe fifty fifty. Uh, luck treating that with carbamazepine but there are other things that you can treat it with so
3: yeah and may I say also the Dacupuncture has been shown to help with with bell's palsy ramsey hunt um, trying really? all those things yeah yeah I sent you that I sent you a link you did yeah well why don't you give us the data then you have it in front of you no I can't find it okay <laughs> but I'll look oh. at I, I will look at it Jesus. but no I sent you that okay um, the other day. well so I'll <laughs> find it I'll find it but I will
1: say that. Um, It's five out of every 100,000 people. So people are listening to this. If you've never heard of it, that's why. Yeah, there's not a... It's not very common. Not a whole lot of people. But if you've ever had chickenpox, you can get Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. It's usually in people who are older, and hopefully all of those people have gotten their shingles vaccine. Because it's basically shingles of this particular nerve. And uh, so if you don't want to get Ramsey-Hunt syndrome and you're old enough to get the shingles vaccine, get it. Because I am here to tell you, I got shingles after taking the, the Zostrix va- uh, vaccine. That was one of the few breakthrough cases that, that people can get. And it was literally gone within two days. That's how easy it was. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So the, I'm a firm believer in the shingles vaccine. All right. What else you got? You got anything from the waiting room?
3: Um, if not, I've got. Well, I've got things. good news. Yeah, I've got. Go good, ahead. Good news from Movie Messiah. He said he's he's practicing. He and his wife are practicing the uh, the. Um, uh, the the uh, the treatment. We, I'm sorry. I'm trying to find. That's okay. Well, I'm while I'm trying to speak anyway. Not not ejaculating too quickly. Oh, no, the, yeah. The, the, the delayed the, the delayed Jackson Oh, oh so, was that him? Yeah, it was the movie Messiah. Yeah, he said he said he thought sixty seconds was was adequate, which you know I'm saying. Of course. I, I'm like, why are you doing it that long for? <laughs> and waste you wasted a whole half a minute. <laughs> but he said the so movie Messiah is, is doing pretty well with. Good.
1: It. Yeah. With so it. go back a couple of. Well, yep. it was quite a few shows, and we talked about. The techniques for delaying ejaculation, if you have prema- it's, uh, premature ejaculation, which, by the according way, to your, is judged by— According to the other person. The other person, <laughs> usually. Right, I've never, I never <laughs> thought I had any. <laughs> issue. Premature ejaculation is anyone that ejaculates sooner than they think they ought to. That's all it is. There's no definition for that. If you're—is it movie messiah? I think so. You think so? It's, you're the one that's reading it. I'm trying to find them. But anyway, if uh, if he were with my wife, they'd be fine. Yeah. Because yeah. she likes a quickie, and I'm, you know. Yeah, moving messiah. Uh, <laughs> on going for two hours, <laughs> and she's like, oh, God, can we get this can over with? Can we hurry with? up and get to the end of this so I can get back to my nap? Yeah. So she's retired, you know. Yep. Well, apparently she doesn't have any time for that kind of <laughs> malarkey. She still wants it over with. Quickly. Of course, you know, I'm 66. I'll be 67 pretty soon. And if I were having some 67 year old laying on top of me, you know, grunting and with one bad toenail, you know. Well, I don't have any bad you, toenails. You. Thank you. I used to. I got
3: them removed
1: just because of that. But um, yeah, I would probably want it over quickly too. Just Get it over with already. Oh, just let me go anyway. Go pay for it, and then they won't care. Just put another hundred bucks on the table. I love it. All right, you got any other stories? No, not right now. Okay, all right, and. uh Let's uh, let's try this one, then. Oh, wait. Let's try this one.
2: Hi, Dr. Steve, Dr. Scott. Hey. How are you guys? Hey,
1: hey, hey good. Great. How are you, man?
2: Hey, that's, that's great. No shit. Anyway, <laughs> uh, since about the summer of 2018, I've had a red itchy rash on the left side of my urine. Um There's days when the itching disappears, and I can go maybe a whole day without a problem. And then there are days when I can't stop scratching it. Um,
1: what, it's on the side of his what? That's what I was going to say. Oh, God. I don't I know. I can not hear it either. Let's run it back and see. Sorry.
2: I've had a red itchy rash on the left side of my urine.
1: groin. Um, groin? Groin. When- Wait a minute. Let me mess with the audio a little bit. I was an audio engineer, you know. Let's see here. What can we do here? Red
3: itchy rash
1: on, on left- something. left oh, side of up. something.
2: I've had a red itchy rash on the left side of my groin. Um, I'm gonna say groin. When uh, and I can go maybe a whole day without a problem. And then there are days when I can't stop scratching. it. Um, I try my best not it because I know it's probably making it worse. Yeah. Um, I went to a dermatologist about two years ago, and he said it wasn't fungal. I tried every over-the-counter antifungal cream I could find. Okay. To no avail.
1: Well, we already know what it is. Um,
2: the dermatologist diagnosis was uh, he said either lichen planus or lichen sclerosis maybe and he uh gave me two different topical ointments to try out um the redness is is always there though um but sometimes the rash appears to be more reddish and raised other times it's lighter in color with like flake, flaky dry looking skin um i'm tired of living with it um
1: I really want to hear this whole yeah. thing because we may get a clue. Yeah, yeah, me uh, too.
2: It would probably come back after I stopped taking the ointments and I was back to normal for one to two weeks after the treatment ended and sure enough it came back. Yeah. I've been pretty much just living with it ever since I'm trying to do what I can with it. Um, if the diagnosis is correct, it it lichen planus or sclerosis? I don't think so. Is this something that I'm going to have to live with? Should I get a second opinion?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would. Okay, so here's the thing Lichen planus is an immune disorder where the immune system attacks cells of the skin or the mucous membranes. They're purple polygonal papules. That's how we remembered it. So they, uh, they, they're purplish, itchy, flat top bumps, right? And Mm -hmm. then when you get them on the mucous membranes, they're lacy white patches. That's not what he said. No. Okay. So then lichen sclerosis was the other thing. That's patchy white skin that appears thinner than normal. Mm -hmm. And now that's genital, but also anal areas. Okay. And uh, most people, uh, well, okay, postmenopausal women are at higher risk of getting that, but anybody can get it neither one of those sound right this is what I recommend that he do mm-hmm. and we've talked about this before because no one thinks about this sometimes not even the dermatologist put a black light on it go buy one yeah costs you 10 bucks a little black light flash yeah, a little black end. light well get a good one get yeah. a, an actual black light from like Amazon and uh, do you remember what this what I'm looking for um, it's okay nope. Okay. okay, so you're looking for it to, that rash, that place that's red, to light up a beautiful salmon color. Oh, okay. I had somebody on Twitter. This happened just the other day. Wow. And if it lights up a beautiful salmon color, it's not any of these things. And so they're right. The steroids won't work and the antifungals won't work. It is a thing called erythrasma. Okay. And erythrasma is called by a carinibacterium. You treat it with antibiotics. Okay. And when you do that, it'll go away and stay away. Okay. Orally, topically? Yeah, orally. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, I'll have to look and see if topical antibiotics will work for it, but I think you got to work on it from underneath. Oh, wow. But okay. Th- that's, a, that's a great question, Dr. That's a, Scott. Yeah, yeah, Let's try topical. Uh, you look that up because I will. It, Carl always hates it when I Google stuff I when I'm on the air. So... Um, so it's it may be this erythrasma thing because it doesn't sound like either one of those things from what he described. That's why I, I wanted him to keep going, see if maybe uh, he would give us another clue. The one clue that he gave us was hey, you treat it. It just comes right back. And uh, uh, or antifungals don't do anything. Yeah, so when I, when I hear someone says it I think it's a fungus, I've tried every antifungal and it doesn't do anything. One of the first things I think about is erythrasma because nobody thinks about it. So, this person on Twitter the other day said, Yeah, I've got this jock itch, it won't go away. And I said, Do you have a black light? Or, you know, put a black light on it. I guess either went and bought one or he had one. <laughs> he was probably a hippie from the 60s. <laughs> and he had a black light and he said, Yeah, it glowed bright, you know, salmon pink. And uh, I said, just go to your doctor and tell them, I think I have erythrasma. And if they look at you like you're stupid, bring in your black light and give them this article. Wow. Yeah, Dr. Stevens, it looks like some
3: clindamycin topically okay. might work. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Stevens. I, I mean, I guess it'd
1: be worth a try topically.
3: Oh, first. I would do it do topically. Yeah, I, would, I would. If you
1: can not take a pill that has to go to the tip of your nose to treat yeah. a rash in your groin, yeah. then that's fine. Yeah, cool. But uh, yeah, okay. So I'm I'm concerned that that may be what that is. You should is. give yourself a that uh, Should I? Yeah, <laughs> <You> okay. Should. <laughs>
0: give yourself a.
1: Oh, there you go. Good stuff. But you
2: get nothing. You <laughs> lose.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, let's move that one to the trash. Let's see. Oh, here's one for Doctor Scott. Hell oh, no. Okay, that's a good one.
2: Hey, oh. Doctor Steve. Bob and PA. Hey, man. I listen to the show forever, and I never thought to call in, but I was wondering. I got. Um, I just noticed. Uh, Right about lower back, my spine does a little little curve and then goes straight into the lower back. Is, is that a problem? Should I, should I do something about that or is it going to be
1: all right? Thank you, sir. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing, he doesn't say that there's any symptoms with this. right?
3: Yeah. What do you think? Well, you know, the first thing I'd say is, has the curve been there for a while? Yeah. Why well, you doesn't would know. you would, he yeah. just noticed it. I would, get, I would get an x-ray just to look at it. It might be a little bit of scoliosis starting to develop as you age, mm-hmm. depending on which it way could it's could be curving. normal. could be completely normal, yeah. Because, you know, normally in, in your lower back, you've got the lordotic curve, so it kind of curves. So, okay, so
1: lordotic yeah. means that it's facing toward the front. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then
3: it should tuck back out where where your the the bottom of your spine goes into sacrum and coccyx kind of pokes back out. So in that in that lower part, nobody knows
1: what sacrum sacrum or coccyx is. So your tailbone and that flat bone and and just above your ass. Yep.
3: yep. Yeah. So you can kind of poke you know the very end of your spine, Mm -hmm. which is your your tailbone or coccyx, but but that should have a natural curve, and that curve is there for springiness as a shock absorber, Mm -hmm. which you know. So you want that curve there. But if it starts to get too far one way or the other, if it's too straight, or if he's getting a curve from side to side, then we start I'd actually be more concerned if it, were,
1: if it were straight. If it's dead People straight, think that's a it big should be. problem. That's People big think problem. it should be, but it shouldn't be. No. If you look at any, Google any, uh, just Google mm-hmm. lumbar spine x-ray, and you should see a sideways view, mm-hmm. and they'll always have that kind of S-curve in mm-hmm. it yeah. The, and it looks more pronounced than you would think it would, but it's it's actually quite pronounced. Well, you know, and Dr. Steve, I think a lot of people don't
3: don't appreciate the fact that it, it, there is a vertical load if everything's lined up perfectly, but that that that, that curve is there for right. a spring because mm-hmm. if all those if your spine was completely in a straight line vertical yeah. and you got hit on top of the head or you fell straight on your rear end or just walked off a curb. Or everything would just would just explode and yeah. pop instead yeah. of, instead of bouncing so. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. So I, would. I think
1: what happened was he's, <coughs> Dick. You know, he's moving around on his back and goes, "Whoa, I don't know if this was there. Let's call. Yeah. Let's call Doctor Scott." Yep. And uh, we see this quite often, actually. A that lot. People are not as um, in tune with their bodies as you think they would be. I had a guy come in. Well, let's say again, I heard about a guy that came in, and he said, "I've got. I think I've got a tumor in my spine or in my chest." Okay. And uh, he said, yeah, it's right here and I can move it around. And if you, this person examined this person's chest and what they found, it was their xiphoid process. Okay. And the xiphoid process has been there since he was an embryo. Yep. And it's at the very end of your chest bone, the sternum, where all the, the ribs meet in the front. You have this flat bone we call the sternum. If you go down to the bottom, there's this kind of pokey thing. It feels like a... You know, it's like feels like a mass. It's rounded. Yep. And if you poke on it, you can bounce it kind of in and out. Don't do it too hard, but you can bounce it in and out. And uh, that is your xiphoid process, and it is connected to the sternum with cartilage, mm-hmm. and that's why it's kind of springy like that. And it kind of wiggles a little and bit. And if you never noticed it before, you could be 30 years old, and then you're feeling around go, oh, God, what the hell is that? <laughs> and then you come in to see your doctor, and they charge you 150 bucks to tell you that's always been there since you were at embryo. Mm-hmm. So there you go. <laughs> Not a reason not to go if you're worried about of something. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that person, from what I hear, was extremely relieved and it was worth it. Yeah, know, good. worth the visit. So. Y-
3: and I think this guy—if it's something he's not sure has been there for a well, while yep. You know, go. I don't even know if i do
1: an X-ray. It. Just let somebody look at. Yeah,
3: it. yeah. Because <laughs> typically, if you know, we can look at somebody, Doctor Steve, if they're facing away from us or even towards us, so we can see if their hips are out of alignment. That's right. one hip's higher than the other, um, you know, we can have them stand and bend forward away from us, and we can actually kind of see the spine. If That's does, an interesting the one for scoliosis. Yeah, it is. It is. But
1: that just might help you. Yeah. Just if, if you want to see if your somebody you're with has scoliosis, it's a fun. Test. You stand uh, stand face to face. Step back a little bit, and have them bend over and touch their toes. Now you assess how straight. I mean, could you put something on their back like a ruler, and would it be level? Mm-hmm. And then have them come up slowly with their arms extended toward the ground. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, if they have scoliosis, you'll see one side we'll go up will go up before the other, and it's really pronounced. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I found out I had scoliosis. So I'm, I'm about two inches shorter than I'm supposed to be because of all that stupid yep. shit in my spine. Anyway, anything else out there? Oh, I see uh, Love It is out there in the waiting room. For people who don't know what we're talking about, we do live stream uh, usually on Wednesdays. Uh, to record this show so uh, you can come hang out with us yep. and just watch my Twitter feed at Weird Medicine or subscribe to our YouTube channel we're back on YouTube not for any good reason yes. just because I couldn't <laughs> find another place that had a user interface that I could make work and now that we've left and come back I keep getting this keyframe frequency error I don't know what the hell's going on this live streaming sucks it's a pain but it's good to see our friends it, yes it is so much fun to hang out with all these people and stuff and then you know we'll answer questions offline we play stupid really not good songs songs. and things like that dr scott will play and i will learn a song while you're watching us then we will play it badly and then we will forget about it it (laughs) and never play it again it's the (laughs) dumbest way to do music i've ever heard of but anyway all right dr scott well before we get out of here uh we have some questions from the waiting room what do you got well, continuing in our
3: theme of dermatology. Uh-oh. Yeah, we've got a good one from Sean. Sean's asking, what is swimmer's itch? What causes it and how is it treated? He saw some discussions on Twitter about it. Okay. So,
1: <clears throat> Well, okay. So, swimmer's itch is kind of a different thing. Um, if, if you look at the CDC website, it's called circarial dermatitis, and it's uh, caused by allergic reaction to microscopic parasites. And it's usually, they infect birds and mammals, and so they, they're released from infected snails into freshwater and salt water, like lakes and ponds and stuff. Yep. So I don't swim in those. No. I, I used to swim in fresh water all the time. Now, if you go to Tahoe or something, mm. I'm kind of okay with that. But uh, to just have somebody have a pond in their backyard, I'm not swimming in that shit. No, no, no. There's I, bird poop in there, and oh, it's, yeah. There's, there's all poop kinds poop of stuff, and and, and, it has, and it doesn't get to the right um, temperature to kill certain things and god don't get it in your mouth no
3: but it does get gets the right temperature to grow some little parasites and well if it grows amoebas and you go and you dive
1: down and it gets up in your nose you get you know amoebic encephalitis and stuff like that so i just this is just me i'm not saying anybody else but for me i don't swim in fresh water anymore salt water is a lot better but then hell you got jellyfish and stingrays and shit like that But, um, you know, you wonder, well, how in the hell does water become infested with these parasites? They get into ducks and geese. And then they they the parasites produce these eggs that are passed in the feces because they just shit everywhere. Well, they don't really shit. Ducks don't have rectums. They have cloaca, cloacae. And what a cloaca is, is when you've got your urine. Outlet And your stool outlet coming out of the same place. Mm-hmm. So back in the day when you would the joke and it's hilarious, ladies, when you would do um, a delivery, if uh, if the kid's head uh, tore the vaginal wall down into the rectum. That happens. It's called a stage four tear. Mm. You've got to sew up the intestine, the rectum, and then the vaginal wall and all that stuff. And it takes some special skill to do that. They would use, (laughs) the joke was, oh, did you make a cloaca? So, you know, it was um, hilarious. I mean, we can't laugh about this stuff anymore. I guess it's not funny. If you get your vagina torn into your rectum, you don't want some asshole redneck doctors making jokes about it. No. There's other jokes, though, like uh, the Emerson Gooden sign. I, I'm telling you this not because I think it's funny. I'm telling you this as a cautionary tale about how people used to objectify people and make fun of their, their maladies back in the day. I'm talking in the 70s and stuff, so, back when people still smoked in hospitals and things. There was this thing called the Emerson Gooden sign. Do you remember what that is? No. That's when you're looking at a a chest Mm X-ray of someone with large breasts. And then, you know, you're looking at the (laughs) X-ray and you point at the shadow of the large breast. You go, Emerson good, Emerson good. There you go. You know, again, not a... (laughs) I'm telling you this not because I find it funny, but as a cautionary tale uh, to combat things like that in the (laughs) uh, the workplace. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so they shit out... They cloaca out these uh, parasites into the water. They land into the water, and then, you know, they're just constantly just, you know what, well, you've seen when oh, yeah. geese go overhead, you've got to watch it because one of them is going to take a dump on your head. And then the eggs hatch in the water and they get these free swimming microscopic larvae and they swim in the water looking for a certain species of aquatic snail. This is quite the life cycle. Mm-hmm. And then if they find one, they infect it, they multiply. And then they undergo this sort of further development, and then they release a different type of microscopic larvae, and these are called cercariae, and that's the hence the name cercarial dermatitis, into the water. And those swim about looking for a suitable host that usually is going to be a bird or a muskrat or something to continue their life cycle. Now, we are not suitable hosts, but they can burrow into your skin and cause uh, thinking because they're stupid, mm-hmm. right? They're just oo skin and they just burrow in, looking. I live here, and th- then your body kills them. Yeah. but then you get an allergic reaction to it. Yep. So that's how parasites talk. There you go. Like feel Billy's. Yeah, like <clears throat> deliverance. <laughs> there you go. All right, and it, it, it it's it's like scabies. You get these blisters. It's real itchy stuff like that. Hopefully, that answers your question. And, uh, you know, more if you get it from a certain pond that you're swimming in, unless you kill the snails in that pond, this will continue. I don't advocate killing the snails. I advocate go Not, swim in a pool. Yeah, swim, swim Find elsewhere. F- yep. f- Find pool. Yeah. And so they'll, the things will die. You use quarter, you know, they'll use steroids and, you know, baking soda paste Basing and stuff yes, like that to treat salt, it. Salt, so. bass, et cetera, yep. things like that. Yep. All right.
3: Well, last one, um, our old buddy Richard Kish has a question here. Okay,
1: Richard Kish, or, who kind of knows Kish. good music. Yes, he knows good music.
3: Um, he said, "What's your take on demon scratches? Demon scratches usually they usually show up in threes, and no one, like my wife, knows where they come from. <laughs> she got them again recently."
1: Um, okay. Hmm. I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. I think you're scratching yourself. I think you're you scratching yourself. I'll sleep. tell you what we'll do though. Uh, NASA has an article about it, and uh, no, that's okay. That's about scratches on the surface of Mars, <laughs> and uh, that's caused by whirlwinds on the that dig up circular uh, scratches on Mars because it's got a very thin layer of dust. That's a different thing. So they have dust devils and they leave marks. I'll do some research on this. We've got to look for next time. I have no idea. But I will tell you this. I used to do ham radio from a place in North Carolina called the Devil's Campground. Oh, ooh, scary kids! And uh, the Devil's Campground was this circular place in the woods that no nothing grows. And if you sleep in there, the next day you'll find all of your camping stuff uh, on the edge of the uh, on the edge of the circle, as if the some supernatural force forced you over to the edge of the of the circle because they didn't want you in their circle. It we did ham radio there. All we saw were a bunch of rednecks going different campground and the, you know drinking beer and throwing beer cans around and stuff. Yep. And going what are y'all doing Is that, you know what channel are y'all? On? You know, Is that channel 1 down? So we weren't doing CB, you know, we were doing ham amateur radio, my friend but anyway i love it scott yeah you i could tell you love that story you're uh, otherwise occupied <laughs> But anyway, so I, I find those things to be malargy. My wife likes to watch ghost shows, and I remember her saying that on the third floor, but you know the ghost shows where they put a GoPro on, yeah. and then they turn out the lights and they scare themselves, right? And they get all scared, and, oh, did you see that? And it's like, no, it wasn't. And it's like, I don't know. I didn't see anything either. And um, they well, would t- I said, Tacey, why are you watching this? She said, well on the third floor of this hotel three people died and now it's being visited by poltergeists and I said you know if that were true every room in the ICU <laughs> they, the paintings would be flying off the walls and you'd hear get out and yeah. it's, it's not, it doesn't work that way no. it's not right it's BS All right. thank you my friend thank you Kush. Why do you call him that? Uh, you know, the
3: first time he put his name on there, I, I read this Kush. Because because you're a hippie. Because I'm a hippie. He used and to do Kush. What is battery. Kush anyway? Is that like Vietnamese
1: pot or something? What is
3: Kush? Yeah, Kush is just a
1: fancy name for fancy weed. Kush, uh, cannabis. What is that? It's a, no, it's something though, isn't it? A real thing? Okay. Kush cannabis come from oh Hindu Kush mountains. Okay. Oh. Okay. I was thinking it was Vietnamese, but it's uh, from the Hindu Kush mountains. Okay. Well, that makes sense. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Mystery solved. Anyway, uh, we can't forget Rob Sprance, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, uh, Kim Chickens, Richard Kish, uh, Shawnee P., That Gould Girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Charsky, Chowdy 1008, Howdy Gooplunk, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte Horror, the Saratoga Skank, the Florida Floozy, the St. Pete Barkeep Blower, The Dolly Museum Diddler, The Ballet Bimbo, The Girl with a Genetic Half-Sister No One Knows About, Percy Dum, Roland Campo, Sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, She Who Owns Pigs and Snake, uh, Pat Duffy, Bill the Cop, Keith the Cop, uh, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, Christopher Watkins' voice double, guitarist Steve Tucci, The Great Rob Bartlett, Adam Goldstein, Cowgirl Vic. Thank you for your service, ma'am. Curtis Electric, Casey the Soil Scientist, Carl of the Tulipes Equinoveris Carls, Producer Chris, the subreddit News Chick, a.k.a. That Broad, Crows and the Bukkake Queen, Jenny Jingles, the Inimitable, Vincent Paulino, everybody, Eric Zane, Trucker Andy uh, Tucker and Anita Dixon, the original Shawty I've got written here, she is not a tall woman. Uh, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, and of course our dear departed friends, GVAC, Barry the Blade, and Todd Hillier, who supported this show, was always gracious and always appreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, On Demand, and other times at Jim McClure's Pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking. Get off your asses. Get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Scott.
3: Thank you, Yeah, go for it.